Let's pray and then we'll take a look at God's Word. God, thank you so much for being so good. God, I thank you that you do keep us safe till the storm passes by. God, we come in here and you've heard every prayer request. God, from those that have been married nearly 60 years to a young girl that's only 22 years old, God, and they're facing very different battles, but both very severe storms, God. Lord, you know the needs of those that weren't mentioned, God. You know there's many in here right now that are facing their own giants and climbing their own mountains, God. Lord, you know all situations, and I pray, God, for every one of these events, God. I pray that you'd move in the lives of your people. God, I pray you'd give healing where healing is needed. God, I pray you'd give comfort and grace, Lord. And well, if a young lady says she, she has no reason left to live because she lost her husband, God, I pray you'd intervene in that situation, God. Lord, as, as, as Miss Sandra was saying, Lord, she's got children. She's got a lot left to live for, God. I pray you'd just open her eyes and help her to see that. God, I pray you'd help us even tonight as we look at your word. God, I pray you'd teach us something through your word that when we walk out of here, God, I pray you'd strengthen us that we'd be able to handle storms better. I pray you'd strengthen us that when we walk out of here, we'd be able to help those who are in a storm. God, I pray you'd anoint each of us in this place, God, that we might be usable vessels to be a blessing to somebody. And that people may see Christ in us and Christ through us. God, we love you so much. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn in your Bibles tonight, we'll continue our study. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 started it last week. We'll pick up in verse number 3. We looked at the first couple of verses last week as Paul was kind of dealing with some reconciliation. Y'all know we skipped over most of 9 because it was a little bit repetitive. We skipped over the latter part. But here in chapter 10, uh, one of the reasons we stopped where we did, one was out of time. But the other was Paul was kind of changing gears a little bit into almost a confrontational type area as he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. He has begun to address the troublemakers within the church. He's begun to address those who are causing the problem and causing havoc. And he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse number 3, I'm just going to read four verses and try to take a look at those four real quick. And, uh, you know, last week we read the whole text. But at any rate, number three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. The word used here for flesh in, in number three, it actually has two meanings, if you would. Thank you. You can be seated. That's all the text I'm going to read. Well, at least for now. But um, two different meanings. One, it's obvious that Paul is still in the flesh. He's still alive, so he's still in the flesh. Amen? If you, if you can pinch yourself, you can do that and you can feel it. We're still in the flesh. I've talked about it a lot of times. I even talked about it at one of the funerals, and I mentioned it many times in church, but where Jesus said, except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. And he was talking to Nicodemus, the religious leader of the day, and Nicodemus didn't understand, and he asked him, art thou master of Israel? And y'all know in the conversation that goes on that Jesus, Jesus says, marvel not that said you must be born again. He explains to him that which is flesh is flesh. That which is spirit is is spirit. Every one of us is born in the flesh. That's obvious because we're sitting here. Every one of us lives a life in the flesh. Every one of us battles the flesh on a daily basis. Paul is no different. 
nor does he try to pretend to be any different. Paul never puts himself on a pedestal. He never puts himself up as being anything super. He lives in a body just like you and I, just like everybody else. He was prone to human mistakes. He was prone to fleshly weaknesses, just like you and I. It's okay to say amen on a Wednesday night. He was prone to physical limitations, just like you and I. There's some things he physically could not do. One of them was being two places at one time, and that's what a lot of this argument is about because he hasn't been back to Corinth to deal with them. He was subject to temptations just like you and I. No man walks through this life, man, woman, boy, girl, any age without dealing with temptations. The Bible says of Elijah in James chapter 5 that Elijah was a man. Talking about the great prophet, he was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth, by the space of three years and six months, somebody in here needs to pray to be warmer in the morning. Somebody in here with some faith. Elijah was a man of light passions. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Somebody in here add 10 degrees to the thermometer in the morning. That, that was all it was. It was that kind of faith. He's the one that went, and then when he called for rain, after the season had passed, he called for rain, and it did rain. Everybody deals with the flesh. Every one of us in this room, and Paul is no different. We see the power of God through our faith, even through our flesh. We see the power of God through our faith, even through the things that we deal with. Paul was the first to admit that he's not a perfect man. Paul never tries to set himself. He even told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He said, of whom I am chief. Paul didn't try to hide what he had done. Paul didn't try to hide who he was, nor should we. Our past may not be something we're proud of, but our past is our past. And if you ask me, it is our past that shows the absolute grace of God. It is our past that shows how amazing grace truly is. So Paul says, look, I know I got some stuff back there, but, but, but he lets the critics know right here, I'm not coming in a fleshly fight. I, when I come to Corinth, this ain't going to be a fist fight. I, I, I'm not coming there for a war, or, or a war of words. I, I'm coming in the spirit. That Paul knows that, that this, this principle that... that this fleshly attitude is the flesh that governs man. Before we got saved, it was the flesh that governed what we did. Even as Christians, we battle with that flesh. So it is the flesh that governs fallen man. It is the flesh that governs weak Christians. It is the flesh that governs Christians who do not pray. It is the flesh that governs Christians who do not read the Word of God. It is the flesh that is a daily battle, and it is the flesh that these people in Corinth are, are dealing with. It's the flesh that they're putting this fight towards the Apostle Paul. He says, if you think for a second I'm coming for a physical fight, if you think for one minute that I'm coming and I'm bringing combat weapons, you are sadly mistaken. Paul says, I'm not coming there relying on my natural ability. I'm not coming there in my own strength. I'm not coming there in my own intellect, although he was very intellectual. He said, I'm coming there in the power of God. Paul has no intentions of using his own personality or even his emotions to try to carry out God's work. Obviously, obviously because 
the way this has been handled through letters. It's been reading of letters. Paul writes letters and the ones that carried him bring things back. And so it's been a lot of talk. It's been a lot of letters back and forth. Obviously, these men that are talking about Paul, they think when Paul gets there, they're going to continue to deal with it the same way. It's going to be their word against Paul's word. It's going to be their wisdom against Paul's wisdom. They, they think they're just going to gather together and they're going to have all their planned out clever arguments and, and it's just going to be a battle of the mouth and a battle of the will. Paul says, you better think again. That, that's not how I'm coming. That's not how this is going to work out. And Paul says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You remember we looked at it in chapter 6. I, I don't know, but just to kind of draw your memory a little bit, 2 Corinthians 6, 6. By pureness, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned. These are spiritual weapons that Paul just talked about four chapters ago. By the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. The word that Paul uses here for strongholds, I'll give you my best representation of it, and then I won't try any more of these words. But it looks kind of like okoroma. How about that? Nonetheless, a Greek word, it means to fortify. It means to be fortified like a castle or fortified like Jericho. Jericho was a fortified city. It had walls built around it with guards posted on top. That is a fortified city. And that's what he's talking about here with strongholds. It is, it is a stronghold. It is a fortified situation. Paul uses the word to show the power of God over situations. He uses this word to show the power of God over strongholds in our lives, over walls that have been built up. God is able to break down walls. God is able to break down barriers. God is able to break down strongholds, even things within our life. God has the ability to, to break down strongholds of things like drug addictions. God has the ability to, to break down strongholds like alcohol addictions. He has the ability to, to break down things like, like people that have a bad habit of lying or, or bad language or whatever the habit is. Those are strongholds that the devil has, strongholds that the flesh puts in our life. God has the power to remove all those. He can move down things like abuse. He can break down walls of marriage problems. He can break down walls of wayward children. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with in your life. The devil tries to put strongholds in there. And Paul is talking about the spiritual. Listen, God can tear down whatever stronghold is in your life. Whatever the devil is doing in your world, whatever the devil is trying to put, whatever havoc the devil is trying to cause in your world, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Paul isn't confident here in himself, but he's more than confident going in the power of God. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Even Satan cannot stand against the power of God or the power of the Word of God, much less a bunch of troublemakers sitting over there in a church in Corinth. So the word that Paul uses here for carnal refers to things of nature. You know, there are things of nature. A cow eats grass because it is his nature. The lion eats the cow because it is his nature. There are things that are just nature, things in this world. But, but 
we, you and I as children of God, when we get saved, we, we should have a spiritual nature. There should be a new nature in us. When all things pass away, behold, all things become new. There's a spiritual nature, and that spiritual nature has spiritual power and spiritual weapons. You know, we, we, we did prayer requests. I, I don't know if y'all could hear them all. I don't know if y'all could hear them all, but, but, but there's such a wide variety. There's such a wide variety of all the things that people are dealing with, all the different situations. All th- th- those, those are all strongholds. Everybody faces battles. Everybody goes through storms and situations and trials and troubles. And Tim was... Tim was talking about how you've been through storms and, and God has brought you through the storm. God ever brought anybody through a storm? See, we, we all have testimonies. Uh, but when we were in it, it was our test. But now that we've come through the test, our test has become our testimony. But some of you are still in the storm. There's some storms still going on. Everybody's not through the storm. Some of them are still in the test. It's not your testimony yet. It, it's still the test. Some are still in the trial. Some, some have just gotten thrown into the fire. They ain't even seen Jesus in the fire yet. They just got in the fire. And, and some, it, the storm hadn't gotten here yet, but it's darkening up in the west. You hear a little rumble of thunder coming, and, and you see it's starting to get dark in the west, and there's a little bit of warm breeze blowing. You know something's up. There's all different levels, and it doesn't matter which level of the storm that you're at. It doesn't matter if you're just coming into one, if you're in the middle, if you've already been through. It doesn't matter what the storm is, if it's sickness or if it's something to deal with people. It doesn't matter what the trial is. God is able to handle whatever you've got. I say here thinking of all the different things that, that I've heard just this evening, all the different trials. There is nothing in here. That God can't fix. And no matter what we face, God is able to carry us through it. Well, that's all free. Verse number four, Paul says, Our spiritual weapons are mighty through God. The Word of God is not only the proof and, and the evidence of our weapons, the Word of God is our weapon. The Word of God is our source of strength. The Word of God is what we go to. The Word of God is our assurance. People say, Well, I've been praying and praying, I just don't hear God talking to me. Read the book. He ain't changed his mind. So just read the book because everything in it is what God said. So if you feel like God ain't talking, then just read it. You you can hear God anytime you want to. All you got to do is open this love letter and start reading it. To to whatever page, it may not be what you want to read. It may not be what you want to hear. But if you want to hear from God, all you got to do is pick his book up. This is the power. This is our weapon. This is our warfare that we have. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse number 12 says, the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Reading the word of God is a spiritual weapon. Prayer is a spiritual weapon. Fasting is a spiritual weapon. We, we have 
weapons that we can use that are stronger than the enemy. We, we have weapons that we can use that are stronger than the devil, that are stronger than what's trying to tear us down. In the letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul listed the spiritual weapons. You know it as Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may, able, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Y'all get that part? The enemy is the devil. Make no mistakes about it. It doesn't, whoever said anything about you, they're not your enemy. It's the devil. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. There's only one offensive weapon in there, and it's that book. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. That's the only offensive weapon in there. The only thing you have to do with the devil is to read God's Word and tell him in Jesus' name, leave me alone. You have no business talking to the enemy. You have no business having a conversation with the enemy. You have no business listening to the enemy. If the enemy's bothering you in Jesus' name, devil, shut up and leave me alone. In Jesus' name, get this book out and start reading it out loud. He can't stand it. Say Jesus loud and often and he'll leave. He can't stand it. He can't stand the name of Jesus. He can't stand the room with the name of Jesus. He can't stay around the power of Jesus. He can't stay around the reading of God's word. Read the book out loud and say Jesus often and the devil will have to flee. We have spiritual weapons in it. Everything else that God mentions there in Ephesians, those are all defensive weapons. God says, hey, just read the book. I got your head. I got your back. I got your feet. I got the front. I got both sides. I got top and bottom. There's not any area that I don't have you covered. But if you have to do anything offensive, use the book. That's the only thing we got. So he gives us this list of weapons that we have here. Paul says of these spiritual weapons, he says that, that these spiritual weapons are effective to the pulling down of strongholds. And the word that he used that describes pulling down right here, to pulling down strongholds. Y'all ready? Anybody ever, the devil ever get any strongholds on you? The devil ever put any fences around you and you just don't know how you're going to get out? Paul says the pulling down of strongholds. I already told you what the strongholds is. It's like fortified cities. The devil has put things around you. This word he said to pull down, it means to demolish. It means to destroy. Not just to destroy, but to destroy by force. This is the only place in the Word of God that you find this passage. But Paul says that this is powerful enough that no matter what the devil has around you, by force you can tear it down. Satan causes strongholds. Some of the strongholds, we, we kind of help ag on ourselves. You know, things like pride, things like self-reliability, or self-competence, self-worth. 
Um, some, some of the things we kind of add to, we kind of bring on, but you, you look at Satan, he doesn't just put up strongholds and he doesn't just try to make a mess within our own lives. He, he tries to get into institutions. He's making a mess in our government. He's making a mess in our schools. He's making a mess in the church. Oh, oh. Oh, it ain't new. That's why Paul's writing a letter to the church at Corinth. He did it all the way back then. And, and he didn't stop in Corinth. He did it at Ephesus, and he did it at Philippi. He did it at Rome. He did it at LaGrange. He did it at Atlanta and Savannah. The, the devil hasn't stopped stirring these things up, and he does the same thing within the church. He, he has these, these numbers. He says that we wrestle against, not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places. The, the devil has demons everywhere. It's not the devil himself that comes to you. Thank God he's not omnipresent. He's not like God. He can't deal with you personally. I don't think any of us are quite that important. But he does have a number of demons that he can put and, and make life miserable for each one of us. The, the devil is looking to, he can't possess God's children. If you're a saved, born-again child of God, you can't be possessed by a devil. The devil cannot possess where the Holy Spirit lives. The devil cannot move into a temple where the Holy Spirit is present. But he can oppress you. And if he gets you oppressed, he can depress you. And if he's got you oppressed and depressed, you really ain't much good to much of anybody. And he begins to build walls around and just put you down. Paul is just talking about tearing down some strongholds here. They, um, the enemy, the ones that he's writing to, they, they've sent their stuff over. They, they've got their battle all planned out. They've got their war there. They've got some big-name city officials on their side. They have some dignitaries on their side. They have some people with money, some influential people on their side. And they're thinking, boy, when he comes, we're going to make a fool out of him. Paul says, I'm not coming for that kind of fight. You don't understand the power of God. You think I'm coming to sit down and talk with you about this, but I'm coming in the power of God. You and I need to learn to face our battles in the power of God. We need to learn to deal with the devil in the power of God. We need to learn to go through day-to-day -day situations in the power of God. We need to get up in the morning with prayer and, and then start our day out with the power of God. We need to lay down at night and, and finish off our day with prayer so that we end our day in the power of God. Paul says, I, I'm not going to try to handle this on my own. You shouldn't try to handle tomorrow morning on your own. If Jesus Christ tarries, he don't come get us in the morning, and you make it through tomorrow, don't try to handle it on your own. Handle it in the power of God. It is the pulling down of strongholds. We, we have things available to us. We have power. We have, we have strength. And you think about in, in Esther, when Mordecai was at the gate, and Mordecai had heard that Haman was going to have all the Jews killed. And he told Esther, he said, you're going to have to go talk to the king. Everybody know the story? It's Wednesday night. I shouldn't have to explain all this. I want to be able to just skip right through to the story. Mordecai sends a message in there to Esther and says, you've got to go talk to the king. Haman's about to have all the Jews killed. you got to talk. She says, you know I can't do that. You can't just walk into the king's presence. You know, anybody that goes before the king without having been called can be executed on the, on the spot. You know I can't go in there and Mordecai says, hey, ain't no time for your excuses. There, there's no time 
for this. In the power of God, we, we got to go. You got to go talk to the king. She says, here's what I'll do. You get all the Jews around the palace of Shishon. You get all them together, and you get them to fast and pray for three days. I and my maidens will do the same. And after three days, I will walk into his presence. If I perish, I perish. But if we fasted and prayed for three days and sought God's will, when I walk in, if I die, that's the will of God. I will walk in there and do whatever God would have me to do. But I will walk into that door in the presence of that king in the power of God. We're too quick to give up. We're too quick to get a little prayer and we didn't get what we want and just kind of move on. Ask somebody to pray for us and it didn't work out like we wanted, so we just move on. There is power. Paul says, we got power. And Paul says, I'm coming to do some spiritual warfare and I'm coming in the power. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. We, we see their strongholds. They built this fortress up there. They think they have their walls up. They think they're ready for Paul. Paul says, oh, no, I'm coming. The devil feels the same way about your situation. If he's got you beat down, he feels like he has some strongholds. He feels like he has some wall. He feels like he has you where he wants you, and you have no way out. And the truth is, in your own power, you don't. But in the power of the name of Jesus, you do. In the power of the Word of God, you do. There is no power that can overcome the name of Jesus and the Word of God. So they think they've got all their plans fortified. They think they're ready. Paul says, you better think again, because I'm on my way. I'm coming. You think about 1 Samuel. I printed this a little bit for you. Yeah, I'm about out of time. Let, let me, let me get, get this little bit because I want you to understand, and, and I feel like this is, this is a good spot to kind of help us understand. I, I, think, I think this little few verses right here can help us understand how we need to take on the enemy how we need to face the battles. There are battles waiting for you tomorrow. You ain't got to yet. There are events in your day tomorrow. There may be some life-shattering, earth-shaking events in your life tomorrow that you haven't gotten to yet. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You just got to know who holds tomorrow. But, but you've got to know how you're going to handle it before you get there. You've got to have your mind made up now. Before you walk out here tonight, you've got to have your mind made up on how you're going to handle your situation when it comes. You can't decide when the fight comes. You don't get to start making plans when the enemy's on you. You don't get to back up. You've got to decide now that God's Word is enough. I have some powerful tools. I'm going to start out with prayer, and I'm going to walk out of my house in the power of the Word of God. This story I want to read to just a couple of verses about it to you is in 1 Samuel chapter 17. When the Philistines said unto David, am I a dog? Anybody know who I'm talking about? Oh, Goliath says, am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David. By his Philistine gods. See, 
Goliath came, anybody listening? Goliath came in his own strength expecting the enemy to do the same thing. Let me, let me say that. Goliath came in his own strength expecting God's child to do the same thing. And he had a sure victory plan. He said in verse 44, he said to David, come to me. And I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. See, Goliath is looking at this mountain of a man that he is and this run of a nothing of David. Goliath is coming in his physical strength. He thinks David's doing the same thing. He thinks he has an unfair advantage. This little punk brat has no chance. He ought not even be out here. This is the worst excuse of a fight that there's ever been. There's no such thing as that little rat. Coming out here, it's an embarrassment to even have to kill him. But what I'm going to do is squish him like a bug. I'm going to let the whole world know how bad I am. Because he thought David was coming in David's power. But David said, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast, de hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I will give the carcass to the host of the Philistines this day until the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is not the Lord's, and he will give you unto our hands. Our problem is we think the battle's ours to fight. The battle's not yours. It never was. There are spiritual battles going on around us. I believe if we had spiritual eyes, we'd be scared to walk out of that door. There are spiritual wars going on around this building right now. There are demons of hell trying to keep you from getting to this building. We'd love to have killed you on your way. There's demons that don't want you to get home. There's demons that don't want you to have a good day tomorrow. There's demons that want to destroy your life. And there are angels protecting all around us. This is a spiritual war that's going on. This is not ours to fight. And when we try to fight it in the flesh, we're going to lose. There's a spiritual war going on. It's not our battle. The, battle. the battle with people. The battle with people that curse you and say all manner of evil against you. Your battle's not with them. That, that's the devil doing those things. I don't care if they go to church. If they're tearing down a child of God, the devil's using them. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care if they sit on a church pew and hold it down every Sunday. God doesn't need that anyway. Gravity's working just fine. They can hold a pew down every Sunday, but if they're using their mouth to tear down another child of God, then the devil's holding their tongue in his hand. And the only thing that deals with that is the Spirit of God, the power of God. That's not your battle to fight. You just keep on loving people. You just keep on reading the Word. You just keep on bathing things in prayer. Our battle is right here. The battle that I face in the morning is going to be right here. It's not going to be between me and anybody else. It's not going to be between Paul and those Corinthians. The battle for me is going to be right here. It's going to happen right in here tomorrow when I get up. It's going to happen right in here when I start hearing what somebody said. The battle is with me. If I can just learn to give everything to the Lord and trust everything to the Lord and let him handle all my battles, it's going to make my day run a whole lot better. We have sources of power that we've not even tapped into. 
This is the greatest source of power known to man. And very seldom do Christians pick it up. Christians face terrible days and come home in the evening worn out and beat down by their day and not once have they stopped and prayed. People are dealing with situations and they can't get past. They talk about how bad they feel and how torn down they are and they haven't fasted in five years. They don't even understand the purpose of fasting. They don't even understand the principle of fasting. Here it is in a nutshell. It's just saying, God, it matters enough to me that I won't even bother to eat for a few days. Every time I feel a hunger pain, I'm going to pray. Every time lunch comes around, I'm going to read your word. At dinner time, I'm going to spend an hour in your book. When it gets nighttime and I wanted that ice cream, I'm going to spend 20 minutes when I should have been eating ice cream. I'm going to spend it on my knees doing what I need to be doing, and that's praying. That's what fasting is. It's just saying, God, it matters enough to me. There is an unlimited resource of power. And Christians, we're living defeated lives in this world because we're fighting it the wrong way. We're trying to deal with people on a word-to-word, mouth-to-mouth, face-to-face basis. Paul tells them once over in that church at Corinth, (laughs) you think I'm coming to sit down and argue with you? You got a rude awakening coming. I'm coming in the power and the authority of God. And I'm coming to clean house. And he's going to run everything out of that church that doesn't belong. That's where you and I need to be. I get Paul's an awesome man. I do. But he's no more awesome than you are. God, God may have used him to write 13 books of the New Testament, 14 books if you want to credit the book of Hebrews to him. But he could do the same thing with you. It's all about surrender. It's all about faith. It's all about where do we pull our strength from. I don't have time to keep going. We're out of time, and I want to take a few minutes to pray. We had too many prayer requests. Too many of you have things that we need to pray about. Too many of you have situations, too many sicknesses, and too many problems that we need to pray for. If you come down, we'll take a few minutes. My apologies for using a little too much of time, but I do want to take some time to pray before we go because I believe people need it. It is such a great honor. It is such a great honor to be able to walk into the throne room of God Almighty on behalf of somebody else, that that we can go in on behalf of somebody that's sick. God is so awesome. God is so awesome. you got to love the way he does stuff. God wakes you up in the middle of the night. You look at the clock, it's 2.15 in the morning. He says, pray for so-and-so. And all of us super spiritual Christians, I don't know about all y'all, but a super spiritual Christian, look at the clock, God, it's 2.15. If you know something's wrong, why don't you just fix it? Why did you feel the need to wake me up to pray for him? You're God. You're the only one who can fix it. Well, here's why. Because he wants you to pray. Because he's going to honor the prayer. He's going to go meet the need that he woke you up, and he's going to bless you for praying for him in the first place. Because God knows it's such a great honor for us to be able to walk into the throne room of grace. There is an unlimited source of power, strength, and healing. The Apostle Paul, he's just letting us know by telling a few loudmouth men over at Corinth, this fight ain't going to go down like you think it is. I have strengths that you don't know about. I have power that you're not familiar with. You think it's going to be like the letter. You think this is going to be an exchange of words. Oh, no. 
Oh, no, there's a power that's coming before me that'll be walking with me and will clean up behind me. God's going to clean up his church, and all you troublemakers are going to be gone. Paul's trying to let them know, you need to get some things right before I get there. That ought to be, that ought to be our heart. That ought to be the way we walk every day. When we get up in the morning, that ought, that ought to, we ought to address the devil in the morning the same way Paul addressed the troublemakers in Corinth. Devil, I know you think you got some stuff lined up today and you got some stuff, but I'm not coming on my own. Before I walk out of this room, I'm getting on my knees right here in this room, and I'm spending some time in prayer. I'm going to walk down the hall and get my Bible and spend some time reading. So, devil, I'm just letting you know before I leave the house, I'm coming in Jesus' name today. I'm coming victorious over your trials today. I'm, I'm coming with walls broken down today. You're not having any strongholds over me today because I'm coming in Jesus' name. Paul's just giving us a really good example. Granted, there's a few months going to pass before he gets to go to Corinth. There's a lot of events that are going to take place before he gets to come. But it doesn't change the fact that what Paul puts in this letter is an example to God's children today of how to handle every day, how to handle every adversity and every storm. Weapons we've been given are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. God, thank you for this book. God, Thank you for this word, this precious book. God, thank you. Over thousands of years before we even got here, you were already thinking about us, and you went ahead and wrote us a love letter, and you preserved it. God, you wrote a letter about everything that was going to happen, and you preserved it so we could have it and call it an Old Testament. Then you recorded everything that happened, although you'd already told them it was going to happen, and you recorded it. God, I thank you for the help. I thank you for the strength. I help you for the power. I thank you for the power for, for the love that's in this book, God. Lord, I pray you take this book and pierce it into our hearts, God. I pray for everybody in this place right now, God. I pray you touch each and every one of us, God. I pray you'd anoint everybody in this room. God, I pray you'd help us, Father. I pray you'd help us tomorrow morning when we get up. Be on our face before you. It might empower us, God. To walk through a day victorious. Use us, God, to be a blessing to somebody. That's our prayer, God. Use us in this dark and dreary world. You said that we're the light under the world, God. May our light shine bright that others might find the way. Thank you so much for being so good, God. Thank you for loving us in spite of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.